Amen. Good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning as we worship God, as we come into his presence in prayer. I'd like to invite you to join with me uh, uh, just acknowledging the celebrations we had yesterday at Asbury. We had two weddings. Uh, Travis and Sarah were actually kind of wedding 2.0. They were married in 2020, but uh, were married again with family and friends gathered here a little bit more than they had last year, and that was my actually third wedding 2.0, wedding redo uh, for this year, kind of we're kind of in that time, right? And then the other couple, uh, Nick and Carmen, uh, you may know Doug and Ann Johnson. Doug's son Nick got married uh, to Carmen Arnold, and uh, we celebrated with them. And so, um, when you see them, just uh, welcome them and congratulate them and celebrate with them, Nick and Carmen and Travis and Sarah. Did you hear the story about the six-year-old twin boys? These six-year-old twin boys were like polar opposites. They were, they were extremely different in their personalities. I mean, one was a joyful, fun-loving, light-hearted optimist, and the other was a sour, negative, complaining pessimist. The parents just couldn't quite figure them out. They couldn't quite understand the extremes. And so out of their concern, they decided to take their six-year-old boys to a psychiatrist. And a psychiatrist said, yeah, I don't know really what to make of it either. You know, you're right. They are extreme opposites, and uh, they're same family and twin boys, but, but very different. I'd like to give them a test. So the parents agreed, and uh, uh, they gave him a, the, doc, the doctor gave him a test. He took the first boy to a room, the pessimist. A room full of toys, toys of every kind. And he said to the little six-year-old boy who was on a pessimistic side of the scale, he said, all these toys are yours. Uh, enjoy them. Everything here is yours. Play as long as you like, and we'll be back. And then the psychiatrist took the other boy to a second room. This was the optimist boy. He took him to a second room. There was nothing in the room except a pile of manure right in the middle of the room. And the, the, the doctor said, uh, uh, play as long as you like and, you know, we'll be back. And so 20 minutes later, the psychiatrist and the parents came back. They went to the first room, the room with the, with the boy with all the toys, the pessimist, and they opened the door and here's the boy sitting in the middle of this pile of toys with his arms folded, pouting. The doctor said, what's the matter? The boy said, there aren't enough toys. And these are not the right toys for me. The doctor turned to the parents and said, <laughs> I, I, I think I need to tell you, this boy's got a problem. He's got some issues. He said, let's go to the, to the second room. So the psychiatrist and the parents went to the second room and they opened the door of the second room and bending over the pile of manure is this six-year-old boy and he's slinging it in every direction as hard as he can with his hands. It's all over the ceiling, all over the walls, all over the floor, all over himself. And the doctor says, son, what in the world is going on? And the little boy says, well, with all this manure in here, I figured there's got to be a pony in here someplace. <laughs> now that is an optimist. A room full of manure 
and there's got to be a pony in here someplace. Today we continue our series, Living Well in Times of Chaos. Living Well in Times of Chaos with part three, Live Optimistically. Now I know that's kind of a silly, goofy, crazy story, but it communicates an important truth, and that is this. Sometimes that room <laughs> with a pile of manure in it describes our lives. Sometimes our lives are characterized by that. Do, do you know what the emoji is for manure? Have you ever used the emoji for manure? Have you ever used the poop emoji? Huh? Can, 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 we, can, we, can we show that in church? Can, can the pastor talk about a poop emoji in church? No. Have you ever used a poop emoji? I confess. I, I, I have. As early uh, as yesterday afternoon, watching the Badgers. My, my two boys and I, we do the little group text, you know, during games, and a poop emoji was going on yesterday. Just, just saying, just saying, okay? Some of you are guilty like I'm guilty, right? But um, it, the reality is sometimes that does describe our lives. Maybe you are in the midst of, of some emojis. Maybe your life is characterized by those emojis today. Maybe you are in the midst of chaos, uncertainty, uh, uh, difficulty, deep waters. And maybe your prayer is like David's prayer that we prayed last week. Reach down from heaven and rescue me. Rescue me from deep waters, deep weeds. Maybe that's where you're at. You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, maybe your chaos level is at 13. Maybe your chaos level is high, 8, 9, or 10. Maybe it's low, 1, 2, or 3. But we're talking about how to live optimistically in our lives today, live optimistically in times of chaos. We're looking at the New Testament book of Philippians. Uh, living optimistically, according to the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. And, and can we live well? In the midst of chaos, the Apostle Paul would say, absolutely. How? One, as we live joyfully, as we talked about, let's do a little review, as we live joyfully, as we talked about in week one, the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Think about that. The Apostle Paul is writing this book from a Roman prison. He is under the threat of death. And yet he is saying, you can live joyfully. And Paul lived joyfully because his focus was on Jesus. His singular focus was on Christ. He said in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. To die is to see Jesus face to face. So win-win. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And we too can live joyfully, and live well in the midst of chaos as we focus on Jesus, our relationship with Christ, as we uh, acknowledge that Jesus wants to be and is our anchor, our rock, our redeemer. We can also live well in times of chaos, part two, as we live relationally. 
We talked about this last week as we live relationally. Sometimes we create and add to our own chaos. It's not just the chaos of our world. It's the chaos that we create in our relationships. And so Paul says, live relationally. We looked at chapter 2, the early section of chapter 2, when Paul says in the church, uh, affirm your unity in Christ. That's how you are to live relationally with one another. Affirm your unity of love, spirit, and purpose. And then with all people, live uh, selflessly and with humility. Put aside pride and selfishness and live with all people selflessly and with humility. And the key verses there for last week and the key verses for us to live relationally are Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Look not only to your own interests, do not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Live relationally. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. A verse for us to live relationally. And then today, live optimistically. Live optimistically. Just after this section in Philippians 2 that we looked at last week, 1 through 11, just after Paul talks about living relationally, putting aside selfishness and pride and living with selflessness and humility, Paul lifts up in that passage we talked about last week, the example of Jesus, followed the example of Jesus who, who, who humbled himself by coming to this earth, took on human flesh, and then served and surrendered and sacrificed his life on the cross. Follow the example of Jesus. And then right after that, then the very next verse, Paul says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. What is he referring to there? He's referring to the fact that he'd been with them. He started the church in Philippi 10 years prior to writing this letter to them. They they knew Paul, but now he's absent from them because he's writing from a Roman prison. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out, out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Let's land there for a little bit. Not to be confused, Paul doesn't say work for your salvation. He doesn't say work for your salvation. We can't earn or achieve uh, our salvation. We, we can't work for it. It's a gift. It's a gift of God's grace for us simply to receive and to appropriate through faith. The, the, Paul is crystal clear about that in, in his writings. He's crystal clear about that uh, throughout all of his writings and throughout the New Testament. Paul writes to a, another church, the church of Ephesus, and he says it very clearly. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. (laughs) We can't boast, we've earned it, achieved it, got high enough on the curve to gain it. 
So, so let's really be crystal clear about that. Our salvation is not earned or achieved by how good we are or what good we do. It's a gift from God through Jesus Christ, appropriated by our faith in him. But Paul is saying here, uh, work it out. What God has worked in you, work it out. What does that mean, work it out? Well, develop it. Grow. Mature. <laughs> Don't just be a baby Christian. Work it out. Grow, develop, mature. Work it out through your service to others and your witness for Jesus Christ. That, that's what it means, work it out. And Paul says, work it out with fear and trembling. Whoa. With fear and trembling, not nervous apprehension, but awe in the presence of God. That's what it means. Work it out, not with nervous apprehension, fear and trembling, but with awe in the presence of Almighty God. Work it out. Develop it, grow it. Next verse. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is at work in you, so you cooperate. Work it out. God is at work in you. You're to work it out. Cooperate with him. So it's other, in other words, it's personal responsibility and God's sovereignty. Both and, not either or. God's sovereignty, God's sovereign work in our lives and our personal responsibility to cooperate, to work it out and to cooperate with him what he desires in our lives. And then Paul continues, verse 14, do everything without grumbling. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Let those verses soak in for a moment, would you? Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Uh, Paul was writing to the first century church. Think about it for a minute. 2,000 years ago, the church in Philippi, there was, we don't know how big it was, might have been still a fledgling church. Clearly, in the major city of Philippi, the Christians were in a clear minority. They were ostracized for their faith and they were culturally swimming upstream. And so Paul writes to them, and God would say to us today, yes, you are living in a crooked and warped and perverse and depraved generation. And, and, and yes, there, there's a lot of confusion and chaos and uncertainty. And, and yes, there are plenty of reasons to be negative, cynical, and pessimistic. But don't grumble or complain, gripe or, or argue so that then you will be like stars shining in the sky. I love that. Paul says, stand out like stars in the night sky. 
Stand out. Don't crumble and complain and, 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 and buy, buy, buy into that all, but, but don't crumble and complain. Then you, will, then you will shine like stars in the sky. You will stand out to others as you live optimistically in the midst of chaos. As we live well, as we live optimistically, in times of chaos, it will greatly affect and greatly impact our Christian witness. It will. It will greatly impact our Christian witness. Let me ask you, what's a better Christian witness? To be optimistic or pessimistic? To have an optimistic attitude or a pessimistic attitude? To, uh, to be hopeful or, or hopeless? What, what's a better Christian witness? Encouragement or uh, cynicism? Affirmation or sarcasm? What's a better Christian witness? Positive or negative spirit? Our attitude greatly affects and impacts our Christian witness. And Paul says, don't complain, don't grumble, and you'll be like stars in the universe, stars in the sky. Now, have you been out this summer, an early fall, and gazed at the stars on a beautiful night, a clear, crystal clear night? Maybe you were out camping this summer, early fall. Maybe you were sitting around a fire pit. Maybe you were just out walking. The moon a week ago was so bright and full and beautiful and brilliant. Picture that. You probably have seen a beautiful starlit uh, heaven in a starlit universe, a starlit sky. Paul's saying, that's what you'll be. You'll stand in contrast. You'll be like a star in the sky, star in the night sky. You'll stand so in contrast to the world. As you live optimistically, don't crumble or complain. Don't argue. Stand out like stars in the sky. Well, um, let's get specific, okay? How do we do that? Is, that? is it possible to do, and how do, we, how do we get some traction living like that? Number one, make a decision. Make a decision. Uh, it might seem trite, but it's true. Attitude is a choice. Attitude is a choice. No one can give one to you. No one can make a decision for you. They can influence you, right? They do, right? But no one can make one for you. No one can choose that for you. You have the power and the right uh, and the opportunity to choose your attitude. Some of us are like Lucy in the Peanuts cartoon. Lucy announces to everybody, I, I'm just feeling crabby. You know, I, that, that's just who I am. I, I'm just crabby. And then Linus comes alongside her and, and tries to help her feel better, tries to help cheer her up. He makes her a sandwich, gives her the sandwich, and then, then says to Lucy, is there anything else I can help you with? Anything else I can get for you? Anything, Lucy, that I haven't thought of? Lucy says, yes, there is one thing you haven't thought of. I don't want to feel better. And, and so it is for some people. I, I just don't want to feel better. I, this is who I am. Where I get my identity. And so I just want to feel crabby. 
I don't want to feel better. Attitude is a mental choice, a mental decision. Let me just pause for a moment and say this. However, some people uh, struggle with deep, serious, significant, real mental health challenges, mental health issues. So it's not just a decision. It's not just a choice. It takes professional counseling and therapy, preferably good counseling and therapy, preferably Christian counseling and therapy. It takes prayer. It takes other believers, a small group people gathering around them. And so maybe some of you today are experiencing some significant mental health issues here or watching online. So it's not just, you know, choose. Not just a, a mental choice or a decision. It's more than that. So I encourage you to seek out support and help. For many of us, it is just a choice. For many of us, attitude is a daily decision. For, for many of us, it's just, I, I just encourage you to do a checkup, a mental checkup twice a day. H how you doing? Kind of a checkup from the neck up, right? Twice a day. Walt Emerson said, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. What lies behind us, what lies before us, are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, is, a, is an example. An example of one who made a decision to live optimistically <laughs> in spite of his, you know, rejection, in spite of his circumstances, in spite of the persecution he was experiencing, Paul made a decision to live optimistically because of what? Rather, who was in him? Jesus. For to me to live is Christ. I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to focus on living relationally well with others. And I'm going to live optimistically. We can too. And then uh, two is choose gratitude. Make a decision. A close cousin would be choose gratitude. Instead of the G grumbling and griping, choose the G gratitude. Put away the G's grumbling and griping. Embrace the G uh, gratitude. One of the practical ways to live optimistically is to choose an attitude of gratitude. I know that sounds trite once again, but it's true. An attitude of gratitude. Have a thankful heart. Count your blessings. Think about what you have, not what you don't have. Focus on the cup being half full, not half empty. Live optimistically. You know, sometimes we don't recognize the grumbling and the griping and the complaining in ourselves. 
take someone else to point that out to us. And, you know, takes, let, me, let me just say that it takes a good friend. Sometimes when, uh, for those of us that are married, when a spouse points it out to you, like, whoa, whoa, don't give me that stuff. Like, right? You know, a spouse, it can be a little bit too close. You know, you're grumbling and griping and complaining so much. You know, I, you can, it doesn't always work, right? <laughs> right? Maybe it works. I, I don't know. Wendy? Yeah, doesn't work too well, does it, for, for, this, for, me, for me? But a good friend, right? A good friend to just say, hey, take time out. Do you know what you sound like? Do you know what's going on? Um, uh, if you were to record yourself this week, what would it reveal? So maybe it is your spouse, you know, that can point that out in a loving, caring way maybe it's a friend point that out think about the hebrew people in the old testament the hebrew people in the old testament they were grumbling and complaining in the wilderness seven times it says that the israelites murmured against moses and murmured against god they died in the wilderness they did not experience the blessings of the promised land the blessings of God, because they grumbled, had negative attitude, and they had a lack of faith. What blessings do we miss out on when we grumble, have a negative attitude, and a lack of faith? So make a decision and uh, choose gratitude. And then uh, thirdly, uh, discipline your mind. Discipline your mind. The mind is so powerful, isn't it? The mind is so powerful. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes, don't grumble or complain. And then later in his letter, almost as he's signing off to his letter, he gives us this one great nugget that is so strong. It's actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He's writing about grumbling and complaining. He's telling them to live joyfully and live relationally and live optimistically. And and then he says in in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, and I'm sure as they're reading this letter in in the church in Philippi, what's he going to say finally? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Let that that soak in. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let your mind dwell on these things. I, I, I memorize that verse as think on these things. Take those four words, think on these things. T-O-T-T. T-O-T-T, think on these things. Are you following me? T-O-T-T, think on these things. In other words, T-O-T-T, take out the trash. Another T-O-T-T, take out the trash. Think on these things, Paul is saying. In other words, discipline your mind. Will you join me 
in following that one simple verse this week? That one simple verse this week? Uh, What if, um, what would happen? How would your life, how would your week be different if, if you disciplined your mind to think about the things that were true, honorable, and right, to think about the things that are pure, lovely, and commendable, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, how would your life, your week, how would my life, my week be different? Uh, one of the ways we do that, of course, uh, you know, is to be in worship. Like this morning, one of the ways that we do that is to be in God's Word, to soak in God's Word and to pray and, and to meditate on God's Word, to memorize God's Word. Earlier in this series, I, I encouraged you to pick out a verse or two from the book of Philippians that you could commit to memory that would become a meditation for you, that would become just flowing through your mind. You just chew on it and memorize it, meditate on it, and it would influence, it would help you to work out your salvation in the awe and the presence of God. So maybe you'll pick uh, uh, from week one, live joyfully in Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or, or maybe you'll pick out uh, from week two, live relationally, the relational verses of Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Or maybe your verse that you'll commit to memory and meditation will be the verse for today, Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Huh? Make a decision. Choose gratitude. Discipline your mind. Think about this. Uh, ships don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because of the water that gets in them. Ships don't sink because of the water around them. If they sink, they're sinking because of the water that gets in them. Don't let the things around you, don't let what's happening around you, the chaos and the confusion and the media and the negative, negativity of other people get in you. It will weigh you down, and you'll sink. You can live optimistically in the midst of chaos. Just remember the little six-year-old boy. No matter how many of those emojis you may be experiencing right now, there's got to be a pony in there someplace. And just remember the Apostle Paul, who wrote this amazing letter who said, you can shine like stars in the sky. Shine like stars in the sky. Make a decision. Choose gratitude. Discipline your mind and live optimistically. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you and praise you for speaking to us once again through your word, through the Apostle Paul who penned it 2,000 years ago. I thank you for inspiring him, Lord, to write to that early church. Help us to gain inspiration for our own lives today. Help us to soak in, soak up your word. Help us, God, to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, with awe of your mighty presence. Lord, help us to not grumble, gripe, complain, or argue. Help us, O oh Lord, to live optimistically. So shine like stars. Stand in contrast to the darkness of our world. Help us, Lord, today to make a decision to choose a grateful heart and to discipline our minds through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.